Kristen Whispers Sonnets. Season two is going to be interesting because um, I originally started this podcast because I was invited to by Gadget G Radio and I love them. They're just the most supportive, wonderful people and they've had some problems with their, they just made a statement today with their platform um, due to some like awful behavior by some person and they're not able to operate now as a radio station so um because of that it kind of forced me in the position to um do my own podcast like by myself and um I'm always such a tech averse person that that was something I never thought of I mean one I I had always kind of thought of doing a podcast but I didn't know how you even did that and so when they invited me to do it and they were doing the background work it was um really felt like kismet and felt very supportive and good and exactly what I needed and then when this happened I was so addicted to doing the podcast I totally wanted to continue enough to the point to like actually sit down and figure out how to broadcast them myself which isn't that hard it turns out because if I can do it (laughs) it's really not that hard um but anyway I um wanted to today our theme of the um, podcast is ghost and we just had Halloween today is November 1st and um all the Halloween season I love everything about it but when I think of ghosts I think of actual people that I you know have known and lost and um because I'm a I mean I think like most poets you know we romanticize what we have lost and although you know I I do have had some very special people in my life that I have lost and I'm not downplaying <laughs> their specialness by saying that I romanticize it because I just think I have had some incredible ghosts that um, surround me still, and um, I feel their pull over me, and they're a disparate group. Um, the picture for this episode is me and my grandmother, um, who I adored, and um, who I felt unconditional love, really the only person in my life um, I felt unconditional love from um, as a child, and felt absolutely safe and um, good with, so t- losing her was you know, everything was like losing a mother, you know, and so, um, I'm going to read a poem that I wrote about her first, and it's called Resistance, and, um, it's a, the, the poem, it really goes into how my grandmother, her, um, she didn't have an easy life and had had, um, a very bad relationship with my grandfather, who, they were divorced, and, um, she never married again, and she was very um, independent, even though she came from a background of, like, she was a middle school dropout, um, and, you know, very impoverished background, um, she made a great life for herself, and once she got away from my grandfather, she, you know, was very zealous about her independence, and I always looked to her as a role model like that. Resistance. My grandma taught resistance to me with bags of boiled peanuts, 
forgotten for a day inside a fridge, preferably behind a rubber maid filled with cornbread top pot pie she made because I can't stop eating it. Though I'm afraid to eat since my grandpa, her ex-husband's rant, your mama's gotten fat. We live on beets and tuna, cantaloupe, a junior high dropout's mistake, divorce cannot abate. She pats bath powder Chanel number no. five on me. We watch soap villains videotaped. Revenge is men you cannot, you can remote control, and like peanuts, taste even better cold. <laughs> and all those things. I wanted to write a poem about many, many things that remind me of my grandmother that are disparate things like boiled peanuts and Chanel bath powder, which uh, my grandmother, I don't know how she afforded, but always had. And um, just, you know, she is this larger than life figure to me and um, represented a lot of how, you know, what I think of a woman like being strong, but also being um, very, very, very kind and gracious and she was a type of person all the food you hear in there she you know always even though she lived alone she always had um I never went to her house when there wasn't like you could surprise her and she had the makings for a, a feast you know and you know she was just a wonderful person and that was that's one of the ghosts that had a huge influence on my life and um I've been you know I think like I said this holiday season when you think of graves and ghosts and everything else I think of these kind of ghosts um and and their stories and so that's why I wanted to share with you about that then um the next ghost in my life is actually a ghost that I've talked about so many times um from he was in my first he was the ghost of the pink plastic house my chapbook which was the first of all my books that I published and it was with Maverick Duck Press and it was about the guy who um I used to go when I was younger there was actually in Pensacola at that time and when I was in college um they it was a small writer's commune um that was called the Mystic Garage and people would there was a like handful of people that lived there and they were all writers and every Friday they would open it they lived in a warehouse so and they had they all lived in like the little offices in the around it and in the middle there was a huge warehouse and they would open up and have poetry readings and music and all kinds of stuff in the center warehouse of their house you know and it wasn't like it didn't cost anything or whatever to go it was just something that they did and so many people came it was like having a, a bar in your house I mean everybody had to bring your own alcohol or whatever but they um you know it it was it was where and it was such a great thing in my life because I had just come from Utah and I didn't have you know, it was just wild to me. It was like, actually, I don't think anything like that exists in Pensacola now, to my knowledge. And I was just like this renaissance of, of writing in Pensacola that I just happened upon when I came from this place of repression and um, 
I, so it was just the perfect place for me to find myself. And I didn't ever read poetry there because it was a huge crowd and I was way too scared. But I would always come and sit in the back in my like um, tight dresses and fishnets in my little journal and I would write poetry and hang out. I was very introverted, but because, uh, you know, I, you know, was a, a pretty girl in my early, you know, 20s and dressed up a lot. I got a lot of attention. I always had guys around me. And um, one of them was one of the guys who ran this um, uh, Mr. Garage. He lived there and he, he and, um, at the time, his girlfriend, um, ran it and he would always talk to me and everything but like he had a you know girlfriend and eventually they would break up and he was on his own for a long time and and during that period we you know fooled around I wouldn't say we dated but we you know fooled around and were friends and he um he was one of the few people that read my writing at that time because I would allow him to read my you know, from, I didn't read it to him, but I would let him read my um, little scribbles, you know, and so he was always encouraging me, trying to get me to do, uh, you know, perform my poetry, but I wouldn't um, do it, you know, and anyway, for after, you know, we had our little thing, and then he went, it went away, uh, you know, and I didn't even know where, I think, I knew it was up north, I think it was like Michigan or something like that. Anyway, he went away and I didn't hear from him for a long, long time. Um, you know, well over, like, I, I, I don't even, I mean, it's probably in this poem when I wrote it down. But um, anyway, I'll read the poem. But um, when he contacted me, he was dying of a brain tumor. And he is married, and he was just calling me basically to say goodbye. He only had um, really weeks to live. And eventually I did see, because we were Facebook friends when I was on Facebook at that time. And he, um, you know, when his social media went to a rest in peace account. And But all he said to me, like he was on me so bad about, are you writing? Have you not written some books yet? I, you know, don't understand what's going on. You know, you're getting older. Like this, you have wasted a lot of time. This is the go time. And he really lectured me and I needed that. And, um, and it's hard when a person who's dying, you know, and you say, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it for all this time. Somehow that gives you, um, the best motivation because you don't want to have like oblige to a person who you know who spent some of their very last moments you know saying this these kind of things to you so here is ghost you're either buried in the earth or ash a quiz all tragic answers question mark a scribble on my heart how deep the gash you carve in monosyllables such stark, simplistic speech, poetic flair reduced to words like nice and soft, so pretty. Brain in bars, bloomed buds, gossamer, seducive fingertips on fishnets, now needs to strain against a tumor, time to thank me for some sex from 20 years ago. Vocab of child with grown-up memories. I store a lesson larger than its letters. Grab a hold of what you caught that you most crave. These ghosts you think of last before the grave. And um, 
it's just, you know, I hope I don't start crying again. I've talked about him so much, and almost every time I talk about him, I cry because I wouldn't be, I absolutely, you guys wouldn't know me, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if it wasn't for him because he really shook me up at a time when it was like, it was go time. It was like, if you're going to do this, do this, you know? But it's also what I wanted, I always try to do that for other people and say, you know, it's never too late. I, I hear people who are in their 20s that are on Twitter complaining or saying, you know, oh, this hasn't happened for me yet. Is this ever going to happen? And while I'm amazed, you know, it's a, it's wonderful to see people, you know, 17-year-old that I know that I did a, um, Katie Proctor, I did a, um, a uh, blurb for her book. You know, that's amazing. But at the same time, you know, that that doesn't have to be your path. You can start this any time. You, you have to do it and you have to start with actual, you know, commitment to do it regardless of the outcome. And I'm like, I, I had no idea, you know, at the time that I started, I had one poem published kind of against my will, not, a, I shouldn't say it like that, against my, I didn't know. It was, um, uh, I wrote a poem for someone and they submitted it to an anthology and that was my only publication I had until I was um, 40 three, I think, when I started all this, so, and then, you know, I quick, you know, thank you to Kendall Bell and other people who believed in me, you know, I've, you know, built up a library of my life, and my friend Amy said that the other day, and I love that, but, you know, you just have to do it, you just have to do it, like, for yourself, and write every day, and submit all the time, and do it, you know, put yourself out there, and it's not easy, believe in me you know, or not, it is, on some days, I feel like it's harder for me now, you know, to submit, you know, and I have a lot of places that I send poetry that it's not really a submission anymore, it's like I have poetry columns and places where they just, I send things to them and they put it up, and they don't feel scary, but it's, so it always still feels scary to me to submit, but you have to do it, and um, that's something that Jeff would tell you too, and he's that ghost. And the last poem I'm going to read to you is very sexual, um, and it's about another ghost that I knew, um, another man that, um, again, around the same time period when I had just come back from Utah and I was, you know, just starting to like, you know, claim myself as a, a writer, whether or not I was, I wasn't publishing, but all that period of time that I wasn't sending out work, I was building it. And I recommend that to people, you know, if, even if you're not submitting, you know, you don't feel up to submitting, write and put it away in journals and keep it and work on it later or look at the piece and go, that's pretty damn good like it is, you know, <laughs> and send it out. But you'll have, when you do start sending out, you'll have a backlog of work, you know, you'll have a whole lot of work that you can submit so it's not like it was I don't feel like all those years were wasted time because when I first started submitting I had tons of material that I I was already ready to go I was sending things out all the time I'm, I would you know just do some minor editing and send something out because it already existed for years it just had never been published so remember that but um, anyway, I'm going to read you about this um, guy who I met in college algebra, Stephen, who um, like 
I was terrible at math, and I have like a disability in math actually, but it was never, my parents didn't, you know, believe in a lot of that stuff, so I found out only as an adult that I was trying, they, I was supposed to be, even though I wasn't gifted, I was supposed to be in learning um, disabled math, but I, um, they didn't think that, you know, that embarrassed them, I guess, you know, and so they wouldn't allow me to go. So instead, I had to figure out my way through math classes any way I could because I might I would get terribly punished if I made bad grades so usually it was um, I wrote a story about begging one time a teacher to change my grade and I mean I got myself in some bad situations but this one was in college algebra in college and it's actually kind of a it's a good memory although I feel so sad because this person ended up killing themselves but it's called my first nudes our canvas dripping so I can procure an essential C college algebra boy painter flood to Pensacola for the trees dirty blonde next to me draws my concupiscent wince his big city sagacity Miami tweed scrawls small town pent-up need me Scribbling poetry on blue lines, no numbers may malign. Calls me over, baby doll. Iris to iris, ignores my lack of bra. Artist to artist, I can get you through this class if you would model for me completely. If not ready, I'm wet. He'll kill himself, leave me beneath these trees. Besought with raindrops, I swallow memories. And yeah, that was a, I mean, the story of him. The saddest part, I mean, there's so much sad about it because he was such a talented, beautiful boy. I mean, you know, and he would joke all the time um, to me. He just had dark humor about killing himself. And I never even took it seriously because that's just, he was such a, you know, he represented to me an art to fully, like an artist. I mean, he was, you know, always painting. That was his life. And I modeled for him a lot. And he really put me in touch with my, um, you know, again, having just left Utah. Um, and <laughs> all the repression, I felt so free there. And, um, but, you know, he, eventually he left. He'd come to Pensacola from the big city because he loved our trees, but, you know, um, he never did, I mean, you know, I could tell he was unhappy, like depressed, you know, and it made me depressed because it was was like the first person that, you know, like we had this sexual thing and you feel like, and I'm a submissive person and you feel like I can't make this person happy. Like I'm doing everything I can do. I can't make them fully happy. And, you know, and I mean, that you can't ever make another person fully, I mean, that something they have to find in themselves, but he could not find that, and he had gone away, gone back home, because he was, you know, thought, I guess, it was the locale, you know, that wasn't right, and he called me, I hadn't heard from him in a long time, he'd call me and said he was coming back, and he wanted to come, I, you know, he's very blunt, so it was like, you know, I want to come have sex with you, and I 
you know, <laughs> I mean, just knowing how he was, I, 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 you know, he's like, okay, I'm coming next week, and da da da, you know. But he then he never showed, and I I didn't hear from him again, and I was I had gone to some party for something, and I ran into some people from the college that knew him, that, um, a little gang he used to hang around, and I told the person, I was really, like, drunk, and I told the person, um, oh, you know, he was supposed to come visit me, you know, and they said, you didn't hear, and he had killed himself, and, I, you know, I, I that's how I found out in that state, and it was just horrible, you know, uh, it was like, I mean, I just still remember how, you know, I'll never get over that. But he always loved the trees, and I was thinking of him the other night because it was raining, and the rain was dripping through the trees, and it was just very erotic to me. And I think all the, a lot of the erotic feelings I have about trees really are about him. And I feel sometimes, like, on a rainy day with the trees, like, I feel that presence, you know. I feel, you know, like, you know, so... Now I feel I'm so emotional. This was like a very intense um, first episode for the new season. Um, I am in a room, a concrete room right here that doesn't have any stuffed animals, but I wish I did because I want, I need to hold something right now. So I'm going to go find one, but um, I'm going to be back every week. I don't know. I think I'll probably do it on Sundays now instead of Mondays. I did it before last season. So probably every Sunday I'll talk to you guys, but I'm so happy and um, I am just really grateful for the opportunity to talk to you every week. I feel like this is my therapy because <laughs> I feel that way about poetry and thank you for being that and I hope that you know you get some things out of it too, but find something to hug and I am going to too and good night and I am going to see you next week on Kristen Whispers Sonnets Season 2.